over the last several weeks, we've been looking at this songs of the season. And I, I told Joe this morning, I said, I love it when the drums come out on Little Drummer Boys. But I don't think I can have Christmas without it. Uh, and, um, and it's fun today, and, I, and, and this is a joyful thing to me today. I said to Robin how cool it is to see a new generation of drummers uh, come up because uh, Jill and Robin and, and Sean and I, our boys played the drums last time, but they're grown up and gone to college, and so we cry a lot. Um, but, um, but, you know, it's fun to see uh, just these songs. Their songs of Christmas are just meaningful to me. But, but what we've been doing on Sunday mornings is taking a look at songs, but not just songs that are like part of our tradition, but songs that, um, that are written in Scripture. Because Mary sung, sang a song when, when Jesus came, and, and we looked at that song that Mary sang, and then, then Zachariah sang a song. And this morning, we're going to look at the angels' song. The angels sang a song at the coming of Christ. And, and, and on Christmas Eve, and I do hope you join us on Christmas Eve, it's been a, a joyful part of our, uh, of our just Christmas season at First Baptist. And, and so on Christmas Eve, we're having uh, one of four services, three here and then one at Calvary. And, uh, and so I do hope you, you, you join us because especially if you have family with you that don't know the, don't, don't know the Lord, because we're going to look at Simeon's song on Christmas Eve. And you know, I, I, I'm grateful for Christmas time. I love Christmas time. And, and as I think back of, of, of our family Christmases, we've had some meaningful moments. But when I think about one of the most meaningful Christmases we had, it was a moment that our family was apart. Um, you know, um, I don't know if you know, y'all, y'all know Paul Purefoy, right? Paul Purefoy is on our staff here, and he's like the, the, a rock star senior adult minister. Uh, you know, he, he's amazing, and, and he's one of the best in the country, and he's sitting back there. Um, but he's, he's not only on staff at our church, he's my father-in-law. And, uh, and, and I'm grateful to have been a part of, come into his family in 1994. Uh, and I'm thankful for that, uh, d- them welcoming me. But, but in, uh, I think it was right after Emily was born. I, I can't remember exactly what year it was. 1999. Thank you. Robin is the detail person for our family. Uh, in 1999, uh, it was a tough Christmas for us because Paul was sick. And we didn't know what was wrong. And, and many of you know what that's like. You know what it's like to be ill and not know what's going on. And the doctors couldn't diagnose it. And, um, and we were worried. And it was right around Christmas time. And, and, um, and we had a family wedding, I believe. And, and uh, our Uncle Brack, who is this, he's gone to be with the Lord now. And, but Uncle Brack is, was this heart surgeon, this amazing surgeon in Pittsburgh at the University of Pittsburgh Hospital. And, and, and at this wedding, he looks at him, and he goes, I think you have this. You have, I think you have hemochromatosis. Just by looking at him at a wedding. And so he, he said, come to Pittsburgh. So that Christmas, Paul and Margaret went to Pittsburgh for some tests. And, and it was, it, they were going to try to get home for Christmas, like right at, the, at Christmas Day, but, but all of a sudden they realized Brack was right. And, and so they stayed there the whole Christmas. And, and it was, for us, we were praying and we were asking for answers. And we watched the Lord use uh, an observant doctor in our family um, to, 
to just notice the details and notice what to do and know what to do. And, and we're grateful because it was God using Brack and God using his wisdom and his, his knowledge to, to bring healing to Paul. And, and now he's our senior adult minister, and we're grateful for that. You know, uh, Luke was like that. Luke was a doctor. Turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, Luke writes this, and it's, and, it, and it's interesting because when you look at what Luke is doing, doctors just have this ability to notice the details. And that's what Luke's doing. Luke is putting together, in chapter 1, verse 1, he says, many have undertaken, in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who were the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And so Luke is, and we have to understand this, because he's not just writing a story. He's not just like coming up with a creative short story or if you know how long the book of Luke and the book of Acts really is, it's not just a creative long story. Luke is, is, is interviewing people that were actually eyewitnesses to Christ, to Jesus on the earth. So he's, he's interviewing eyewitnesses to the account of when Jesus walked and God entered human history. So this is... This is important because this puts us, puts this narrative out of the realm of Disney Plus and the, and the creative stories that have been written that, that warm our hearts. And it places it right in the middle of human history. And that's important to understand because the coming of Christ is not just a neat, warm, fuzzy story. It was a moment in time. And Luke is, is recording historical, uh, it's a historical record from eyewitnesses. Now think about that. Eyewitnesses, people that saw it, people that experienced it, that lived it. And that's what Luke is doing. He, he's, he's, he's putting the, he's writing the story. Now look at Luke 2. And it was so powerfully read for us. But in verse 1, he, he writes this. In those days, a decree went out when Caesar Augustus, from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This was registered when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, cloths, and, and laid him in a manger because there were no place for them in the inn. Now, we know the story. We know this. We, we've heard this. This is, this is the most famous passage of Scripture read at Christmas time. But it's a, it's a remarkable story. It's an unlikely story. It's, a, it, it's one of those stories where truth really is stranger than fiction, isn't it? I mean, it's like, how, you can't make this stuff up. And there are times that, that that's the reality. You can't make this up. 
and, and it's, it's interesting, um, as you think about the, the, the Mary, she's about to give birth to the, to the Messiah, and, and Joseph is required by the law to go, go to Bethlehem, and he goes, and, and, it's, and here they are, it's inconvenient, it's, they're not where they're, they're, they're in their accommodations, their normal accommodations. It's, it's uncomfortable, and it's difficult. And, and you know, I, I, I can imagine Mary struggling with this. Like, it, it, I'm not at home. I mean, I mean, I know when we were having our children, we wanted to go home. And she was not at home. And, and it was difficult. And, but that's the story. It happened. Look at verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds are not, they were, this was not the high class of society. This is not the people that you would want to marry your daughter, the shepherds. Okay, they were, they were dirty. They were outcast a little bit. And they're out in the field. They're just doing their job. And look at verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled, filled with great fear. Now, now, the first point is obvious, uh, but in light of our modern, sophisticated society, I think it's important to, to point it out. But, but I, want, I want you to see this, because we're smart, okay? We have science, and we, we trust in science, don't we? We trust in, in, the, in the, the knowledge that we have attained as human beings. But point number one is so very important for us, and it's this, angels really exist they really exist now that, that that's important to, to recognize there is a supernatural reality to the world if you think everything is just what that, that that reality is just what you can see and touch and feel and and experience then then you're missing the the, the call of god the word of god because angels ex exist. Angels and demons are not figurative references in Scripture. And there are some people that say that. They think, oh, well, they're just figurative. Figurative references. Angels are real beings with specific jobs to accomplish. These are angels. Now, now the Bible clearly indicates that, that, that angels already existed before God created the formless world. And we see this. It... it, it, it seems, and the Bible's clear, that, that between Genesis 1 and 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2, angels are created. We don't know the full story. But, but, in, but you, you find that, that there's, there's no mention, really, of how God created the angels, but they exist. And, and, and you see in, in, uh, in chapter 3 of Genesis that Satan is introduced into the human history, human experience, and as this angel who rebelled against God. And, and we know that, that a third of the angels rebelled, and we know that from what the Scripture tells us in Revelation chapter 12. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a few verses, and if you want to write these down, you'll have, to, you'll have to follow me fast because I don't want to spend a ton of time. But, but I do want to kind of unpack this just a minute about angels. Um, what are angels like? I mean, we know that they were created by God, just like God created people. He created angels. Um, we know from Luke 20, uh, 34 through 36, that angels do not age or die. They don't die. They don't age. 
we, we know from Scripture that angels are limited in space. Um, what, what I mean by that, and this is important to understand, that, that angels can't be everywhere. They're not omnipresent like God. So Satan, we have this tendency, well, well, Satan made me do that. Satan is one being and can be in one place at one time. You know that. Now, now there's a network the Bible describes as this, the spiritual forces of evil in Ephesians 6 in the heavenly realms. Now, we know this, and there's so many interesting stories. Like in Daniel, there was a battle that, that, the, that the angel was delayed. And, and it's so interesting to, to think about the, the, there's so many stories we don't know about. But we know angels exist, and, and, but they're limited in space and time. And uh, God's, uh, God's omnipresent, meaning that, that right here in Owasso, we can pray to the Lord and and. Justin Beatles, who I'm, is a dear friend of mine, who's the pastor in, in Stillwater at Countryside Church, and I texted him this morning, like I often do, and said, hey, man, I'm praying for you. Um, and, and God is present there. You know, um, Russell Kirkpat- Kirkpatrick is a, is a pastor I pray for often. His family goes to our church, and, and, and he's in Kansas, and, and, and right now they're in worship, and, and God is there, just like he's here. And, and so demons and angels are not like that. Now, now we know that angels are more powerful physically than people, but they're not omnipotent. They're not all-powerful. They're limited in their power. Um, you know, we, we see that in uh, Matthew 28, an angel rolled back the stone. In Daniel 6, angels kept the mouths of, of the lions shut. It's interesting. Second uh, Peter 2.11 talks about how, how they're stronger and, and more powerful than man. We know this. Uh, they're intelligent creatures who can communicate and who, who are aware of history. They're aware of history. And, and sometimes they get knowledge of future events. Like, like in Luke 1, we saw this. When, when the angel came and said, this is what's going to happen. There are times that that happens with the birth of John and Angels' appearances are usually invisible, but they have the ability to appear. Second Kings 6 talks about this. And when you think about the purpose of angels, angels are messengers. It actually means messenger. That's what an angel means. That They minister to God in worship and service, like Isaiah 6. If you've read Isaiah 6, the angels are, are around the temple. It's beautiful. And they're, they're serving and worshiping the Lord. Uh, angels are, are used to execute God's judgment and purposes. I mean, think about this. When Jesus was on the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels, those soldiers that were all bad and tough and strong who, who struck Jesus. I mean, can you imagine Jesus actually calling those angels? It would put the fear of God in those soldiers, literally. Uh, but he chose not to do that, which is amazing. Angels were involved in every aspect of Jesus' time on the earth. And, and angels are, they're, they're ministering to believers. You know that, right? Hebrews chapter 1, 14, they're ministering spirits to us. You know, they, um, they, they help us. And I, I would love to see, I can't wait to see in heaven how all those things work out. You know, you know angels are present when a believer dies. We believe this. I, I mean, you see, it seems that Luke 16 tells us this, that, that the day we die, angels are present. Fascinating. 
How, how are you going to respond? How do you respond if an angel shows up? Well, we need to learn from, from John in Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22, uh, an angel is there. What does he do? He falls down and he, he says, he starts to worship the angel. And what does the angel say? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't worship me. No, we worship God alone. So, so when we see, if we ever get to see an angel, know that the angel always points to worship of God. That's really important. Now look back at verse 9. It's incredible. Fascinating. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. These shepherds are out in their field. And an angel appeared, and it wasn't, maybe it wasn't just the angel. It was the glory of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. The glory of the Lord, what does it point to? It points to God's supreme authority. I want to show you a quick picture. Um, you know who God is, right? This picture. This is Robin and I on top of Mount Carmel. It was a cool, one of the coolest moments. We're, we're planning, I think we're, gonna, we're working on another Israel trip in, in this time next year. But we were in Israel, and we stood on the top of Mount Carmel, and we were standing there going, oh, my goodness, what happened here? It was crazy. There were prophets of Baal, and there were a bunch of them, and, and, and Elijah was there by himself. And, and, and he's talking trash. He's mouthing off. I love Elijah. He's like, hey, maybe your God's asleep. Wake him up. Maybe, jump around a little more. Maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. I love that. I can't, I can't wait to go. That was a good one, I, Elijah. I like that. And then God, in this duel, proves to the world that no one is like him. And the, pro, the, the prophets of Baal are destroyed, and God comes big. It's a phenomenal story in 1 Kings 18. If you haven't read, read it in a while, look at it. But this week in my quiet time, I was reading Job 38. And I want you to see it. It says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together. You know what those are, morning stars? Those are angels. They sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Man, God is big. And so I want you to recognize angels exist. They are real. And so let's be careful to not miss this fact that God is supernaturally at work in the world and outside the world. And when the glory of the Lord shone around them, it points to the almighty God we serve. And so I say to you, how can we serve anyone else? How can we, how can we give loyalty and allegiance to our stuff, our money? Our, uh, is there any other God that deserves our worship than him? Are you kidding me? None. We're not going to worship Muhammad. Are you serious? He's a man. We're not going to worship 
man's philosophy? Are you serious? That, that doesn't work. There's none but him. And the angels were clear about this. Look at verse 10. It begins the, the song. Now, now, like every good song, motivating song begins, it's like, it's like I, I love Joe's passion, and it's like when Joe starts to, to get wound up, you know, and, I, and it kind of makes me, I like it. I like it. The guitar's going, and I like it. That's kind of what I feel. The momentum's going. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's big. Point number two is this. The announcement is for all people. That's big for us. That means you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. I know people that have the idea that say, I can't come to church. If I come to church, the, the walls will fall in on me because I'm, I'm not a good person. You know what? None of us are good persons, people. None of us are. But this announcement was for all people. You realize that salvation is an invitation to all. All. It's an invitation to the world. That's why we got to go with this message. That's why we, we can't be quiet about this message. Salvation is for all people. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He wanted to be clear. The Lord has come. God has come. And that's why that tagline that we sang today, Lord, Lord, let me open up to receive the King. Because sometimes we, we're not open to the Lord. We, we want to go our own way. That's our problem. And the, the angel said, this will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. Okay, that, that's normal. Okay, that's like, that's like you'll find a baby in a diaper. If I said to you, hey, go you'll go to the nursery, you'll find a baby in a diaper. Okay. There's like a bunch of them in there with diapers. But he'll be lying in a manger. Okay, that's different. Okay, that, that's different. I can find that. And they, they did. And then verse 13, and suddenly, think about that, suddenly. As they get this message, suddenly. Have you ever had something happen suddenly? Like, like the day that I walked into my, we were newlyweds, and Robin and I were, um, we had this little house in Ada, Oklahoma. Well, not much happened in Ada, Oklahoma. And, and, uh, and the, the, the dryer was on, and I walked around the corner and said, hey! And she just screamed and started crying. I was like, that wasn't the greeting I was expecting. Because she, she thought an intruder was coming. It was suddenly it startled her. Have you ever been startled? Well, well, they were startled. Suddenly, there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts. Think about that. How many angels are there? Thousands upon thousands. I don't know what the multitude means. A bunch. A bunch of angels are, are gathered. And they're praising God. And as they're praising God, what are they saying? Look at this, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. 
Folks, there, there's none like him. Glory to God in the highest. The angels are very clear that, that there is no one above him. There's no one that demands our loyalty, our surrender. That's why, you know, like, like that song is it's one of my favorite songs ever written. I surrender There's no other option. Glory to God in the highest. And that's why I just want to be before you today and say, if you're serving anyone else or anything else, oh, oh goodness, there's no one above him. The angels were right. Glory to God in the highest. And, and I'm burdened in my own life, how I'm drawn to worship myself or other things. Or like Christmas time, the, the comforts of this world, the latest gadget or the thing that we think we need. You know, glory to God in the highest, they said. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that God himself entered humanity as a missionary to us. Think about that. God came here as a missionary to you and to me. Aren't you thankful that God came seeking us, coming to, a, to us and this miracle of, of Jesus being fully God and fully man at the same time. And that's, that's something that just, just floods my mind. And I'm like, how do I even explain that? I don't know. Miraculously, Mary tells, this angel tells Mary she's going to give birth to a son. And then she asks this famous question, how can, I'm a virgin, how can this be? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and the child will be holy, the Son of God. This, this child was holy. You know, every baby that's born prior to Jesus and after the Jesus, you, they're, they're cute and they're wonderful and they're, they're sweet. We had a baby in our church born two days ago. And it's beautiful, and, but, but you know, this was the only baby that was born holy. See, when we were born, we were born into sin. So our prayer for the babies that are born is that they come to faith, come to trust Christ. You see, God came. When Jesus came into the world, he was fully God. He came as fully man, and, and he will be that way forever. And, and, and he came, and God came as a missionary to us. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And, oh, we need eternal life. We need life. Because you know, we're, we were blessed. We were grateful. We were grateful that 
and blessed that God gave Paul more Christmases with us. But can I tell you, there, there's a, there are many families I've been in the lives this week. I had, a, I had a very difficult conversation with somebody that said to me, I think this is my last Christmas. But can I tell you that God is faithful when he gives you more Christmases, but he's also faithful when it's our last Christmas. And, and the reality is, I think about these angels' song, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Peace among those. Do you know that it's only Christ who can give you peace? Real peace is now available to a world in turmoil. I don't have to convince you that our world is in turmoil. I've never seen it like this before. I tried to explain to my children about a world that, I remember a world that seemed less chaotic and divisive. But I want you to know, there's real peace is available in spite of a world in turmoil. That's why, you know, it's amazing to me that in every part of the world, right now, in every system of government, the gospel is working. People are being saved in Iran, in Russia, in Afghanistan, in, in China. People are coming to faith in Christ in Venezuela where governments are stamping out Christianity and the gospel is growing. So let's remember that as we hear about our enemies around the world and those, those countries that we vilify. Let's recognize that right now the gospel is moving and we as a church are sending missionaries to those places. Maybe there's someone in this room that needs to go as a missionary around the world, you have a vehicle to do that. And I, but, but understand that, that the angels proclaim glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. You know, where is peace is found in the presence of God. That's where it's found. It's in the presence of God. And, I, and I'm grateful for that. Peace, peace is experience. We experience peace in the in the plan of God. God has a plan for you. He sees you. And, and peace is, is confirmed when we trust in God. And, and, and I'm telling you, he will not let you down. Peace has come. So the angels were right. When they said, glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth here. You can have peace in this place. As I've prayed through this message, I kept coming to a prayer. Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him 
And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I pray for us as we go with our families. As we, as we engage this place where God has planted us. Are you worshiping someone else? Or something else? See Jesus. Come to him. We're going to have an invitation and and Joe, I'm going to ask you an invitation. I want us to sing that song, I Surrender All. And can, can I ask you that as we sing this together, don't just let the words come off your mouth, out of your mouth. Would you make this a prayer of your heart? God, I surrender to you. There's none like him. Come to him. You know, there's several ways to respond here. We're going to be down front. We're going to have several pastors down front. And you could come and talk to us. There are people at those little tables back there, these greeters, people that say hi to you when you walk in the door. Maybe you don't want to come down front. I get, I get that. It's, but I'll tell you, this is safe. It's a safe place to come and pray and Look, all of us need the Lord. But you may be here today and you're like, you know what, he's not. I, I, I've never surrendered all to him. Come to him. We'll help you. That's why God put us in your life. Come to him. Would you stand where you are?